The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Super Draft. It is a great way to play daily fantasy sports, and now they've added basketball to the pool. They've already got football. They've got baseball through the postseason. Golf, hockey, basketball preseason started on Monday. It's going to start going for the rest of the year. It is a ton of fun, and it's different than your normal daily fantasy sports. There's no salary. You play who you want. It's a ton of fun. When you sign up, when you create your account, use promo code Bubba. You go to your app store, look up Superdraft, you download it, you create your account, and use promo code Bubba. Then when you make your first deposit, because you can just create your account and you can play for free. They have free contests. But once you create your account and then make your deposit, you get a free $10 deposit bonus because you use promo code Bubba. So go check it out. Superdraft in your app store. Superdraft.com. It's t- or Superdraft.io. Tons and tons of fun. Use promo code Bubba. Also, leave a rating review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. You have no idea how much just a couple minutes would help, you out, help me out a lot on that. It would mean a ton to me. But for now... Bench with Bubba, episode 220 with a special guest, FF Stompy. Recap on the fantasy football week six action. to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 220. Going to recap the fantasy football week six action with a twist, looking ahead to week seven as always. And in order to break it all down, recap a fun week in the football, we have a member you can find on Twitter at FF Stompy. Stompy, how are we doing, man? Good, how are you, man? Thanks for Good. the invite. Definitely, definitely. It's uh, been following you for a little bit on the Twitterverse and uh, watching all your great uh, Scott Fishbowl action out there. So <laughs> I was like, we got to get Stompy on the show. So uh, I want everybody to know what you got going on, what you're doing, where they can find you and everything. Sure. So uh, I host two podcasts, one called the Dynasty Diagnostic on the Dynasty Trade Calculator feed. Um, 
That's with my uh, friend Aton, my co-host Aton. That's Aton Mosia at Aton Mosia on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at DYNO Diagnostic. Um, we just do things like break down listener rosters, suggest moves, stuff like that. Talk about like the week uh, news and stuff like that, and other things that have to do with Dynasty. Um, also, do or co-host the Superflex Super Show. Right now we're doing five episodes a week, uh, waiver wires, start, sit. We do a live episode, and then we do our normal uh, episode every Tuesday. So, yeah, catch us on the DLF uh, podcast feed or our own at Superflex Super Show, Superflex Show on Twitter. And then finally, uh, my my friend Matt Williams and I started a website called FF Mercs or FF Mercenaries. Uh, and basically we just – we started out as a consulting service, so uh, you can get help with drafts. You can get help um, any given week with your roster, start sits, stuff like that. Go check us out at ffmercs.com. And then on Twitter, we are at ffmercs. Um, we've been adding a bunch of stuff um, lately, too. We've got a couple podcasts. Um, and then we will be adding tools and stuff as we uh, move further along here. Yeah, quite the busy man as I knew you were. So it's good to uh, everybody go check all that stuff out. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to the show, you know who Stomp is. So uh, you'll, you'll get all that good stuff. Matt's been on the show before. So lots of good stuff. You got going on your busy, busy man, which is great to see. So we'll be ready to get some good info here on today's podcast. Again, we had uh, you know a London game. We had a Thursday night game. We had an interesting Sunday of action overall. So let's get at it. We'll start with a quick look back at Thursday Patriots just did what they wanted to do against the Giants, 35-14. Giants obviously depleted with tons of injuries in that game. But some of the more fantasy-relevant questions, you know, we got Sony Michelle, 22 carries for 86 yards. Uh, but still, people are, you know, kind of hoping for the big game. It still hasn't been there yet. Bolden, Vulture, and touchdowns. Uh, Tom Brady had a couple touchdown runs there. It was very like Sony Michelle got us down there, and now we want to get him out of the way. So if you're a Sony Michelle owner, Stompy, what, do you, what are your thoughts right now? I think you have to be wary of him because, I mean, it's the Patriots' backfield. They used Rex Burkhead a ton. Um, they used James White a ton. I, I don't know why Bolden's getting involved all of a sudden, but this has just been how the Patriots use their backfield. They always have three guys that they rotate in and out. Um, I think that the touchdowns I, – I think he'll be fine. I mean, he has three touchdowns already. He's got uh, – of, of the four, uh, six games and five of those, he's had uh, 15 or more carries. So it's not like he's not getting touches. He's just going to be sharing the backfield, unlike uh, most of those bell cow backs that you expect from. So Zeke, CMC, Kamara, um, Saquon, like you're not expecting them to share the backfield. You have to expect that from Michelle, but he's going to continue to get touches Um I'm not that worried about him, but he's definitely in a second or third tier of running backs. So you have to, I guess, adjust your expectations accordingly. Yeah, no, some people had super high hopes there in PPR leagues. It's, you know, there might be a couple better options on certain weeks for me, but it just depends. Like you said, the workload's there. The end results just haven't been there consistently, at least to, to many's likings. And that's just how the Patriots do things. It's the Patriots way. Mm-hmm. They don't care about your fantasy football team. So let's talk about their passing game where they don't care about you either. Uh, Josh Gordon leaves with an injury on Thursday. We'll wait and see how that plays out. But it's kind of been a mess. You know, you can trust um, Edelman getting his. But then you have Gordon. We saw um, 
Myers get get into the action quite a bit. Nikhil Harry's coming back. How do you uh, approach the the Patriots receiving core going forward now? If say all these guys are healthy, trust Julian Edelman and then play it by ear from there. I mean, Edelman's always going to get his work. Um, Gordon Dorsett, Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski. Is that how yeah. you say that? Hey, that guy's uh, <laughs> the picture in the post game was as gunner as a gunner should ever look. It was amazing. Oh was, my God. Was, it was, it was just the most South. There's the most Southern picture I've ever seen. Um, the, guy looked, the guy looked more lost than anybody in Boston ever. <laughs> it's probably the case, but yeah, I mean with it, it's, it's really, you can trust Edelman and then you have to like play it week to week with matchups. Um, this game wasn't great just because of the weather with the wind and, and the rain and stuff. But generally, like if they're playing like the New York Giants, if they're playing the Giants indoors or in a better um, weather situation, a guy like Josh Gordon, you probably trust a lot more. A guy like if Dorsett played, you trust more. I think this is Edelman, Gordon, Dorsett. Jacoby Myers will get in there with injury. Obviously, Gunnar Olszewski will get in there with injury. But, yeah, so it's really Edelman and then pick your poison with Josh Gordon and Philip Dorsett, especially I think you have to look at it from a week-to-week basis what those matchups look like. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you, and that's uh, the frustrating part about this. I was a big Gordon fan, and it's obviously not working out so well. So very frustrating there, but like you said, Edelman, he's going to get fed one way or another. No real worries there. On the Giants side of things, injuries everywhere like we talked about. But Golden Tate had a humongous game, obviously one of the only weapons in town. But he looked really, really good. Uh, You're expecting Ingram possibly back in week seven. Saquon's got a good shot about being back in week seven. Then Shepard another week or two possibly. With all these pieces in place, the offense hasn't been horrible with Danny Dimes back there. Do you like any of these pieces outside of Saquon, obviously, going forward that you try to circle around there with the Giants? I mean, I think Evan Ingram is going to garner uh, he garnered targets regardless of matchup just because he presents matchup nightmares for basically any defense. I mean, there's very few defenses that I would set Evan Ingram against. I probably would have sat him against New England, but beyond that, he just he he's one of those move tight ends that the NFL is starting to move toward, and he, like I said, presents matchup nightmares. So I really like him. The issue with Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate is they've generally occupied the same part of the field. Now Sterling Shepard playing more outside this season because of the presence of Golden Tate. Um, with a rookie QB like uh, Daniel Jones, I would expect Golden Tate to get be the better receiver of the two. Um, But that defense is so bad that it might not matter. They just might have to throw all the time. And Saquon, Ingram, Shepard, and Golden Tate will all have their opportunities to score. So honestly, this could end up being a pretty good situation overall just because of the secondary is so bad. And Daniel Jones has actually stepped up and been okay instead uh, instead of Manning here. Yeah, the offense actually looks, you know, formidable with Jones back there. So it could be a fun little, you know, garbage time production fantasy football team out there, which is all we really care about in the end scheme of things. Let's head to London. Panthers 37, Bucks 26. Jameis throws five interceptions. Ugh. It's horrible, but he also had 400 yards and a score. Godwin got his again. Um, when you're looking at this Tampa Bay offense, you know Winston's got the baggage, but they're going to throw a ton in this Arians offense. And we've seen when it clicks – 
He can put up huge numbers, Stompy. Are you a guy that would use Winston? Is he flex only? Like, how do you go about Winston? Because Godwin's a beast, and eventually O.J. Howard and Evans will continue to get theirs. That, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Like like you said, I mean, five intercepts, that's wild. And and then, but is this really different than what we thought we were going to get entering the season? We thought he was going to throw a ton. He makes poor decisions. He's always up there in terms of interceptions. And this is just a guy that's going to turn the ball over. Like you said, he's going to throw the ball a lot, four hundred yards. So you know that people, the receivers are going to get theirs. I just don't know. It really depends on what your scoring is, I suppose. So, like, Scott Fishbowl, Jameis Winston would be an absolute liability. Um, but in, like, six passing touchdown leagues that only counts as two interceptions or minus two for interceptions, he's not that big of a liability. And if he's going to continue to throw for 300-plus yards, and I, I doubt he only has one touchdown if he throws for over 400 yards again. Mm-hmm. Then you have to start him. Unfortunately, with four tu- with with the four um, point passing touchdown, that's where it gets a little tricky. Um, but I guarantee that most people do not like. Let's just say in superflex, most people don't have a better option yeah. as a QB two, and then as a QB one, I don't know what other better options are out there that would be like on a, on a streamable level above Jameis Winston. And that's the crazy part. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's he's when he's at least half on, he's going to produce fantasy value. Like he's going to. It's the and like you said, four hundred yards, only one touchdown. That's that's a that's a novelty. That, that's very very rare to throw that many yards and get one touchdown. So it's as frustrating as Jameis is. It was the Jameis Winston experience at its finest. But at the same time, he's going to be fantasy viable. Yeah. I know I have him in a lot of super flex leagues. I think he's a really good second option there. But uh, it's going to be rough, and Chris Godwin and company will have to keep you know sh- shouldering the load. And at worst, it means he's throwing it everywhere, which is always good. Right. What well, you- and, he, and, he had, and he has 15 fantasy points in every game this season. And even last week, he had 24 despite the five interceptions. It's crazy. And, and each of the last four, he's had he, his lowest over the last four, lowest fantasy output over the last four games is 19.5. So it's not like he's not producing fantasy points. He's just a terrible NFL quarterback. Yeah, that's why I love it because I know you you follow a lot of the guys I follow, and it's like, okay, we all play fantasy, and everyone's clowning on him while he plays, but it's like if you take a step back and look at why, why are we watching him play? We're not Buccaneer fans. We're yeah. watching him for a certain reason. Like you just said right there, he's being productive. People clown on Matt Ryan all the time, and he's getting 20-plus points every single week. It's not pretty, but that's what these guys are doing. It's uh, it's very, very interesting when you break it all down. Yeah. Uh, the Panther side of things, run CMC, running game gets shut down a little bit. Passing game was good. More, a couple more touchdowns. He did his thing. But you saw Curtis Samuel was used in the running game and the passing game quite a bit. He's been a favorite target of Allen. It was good to see DJ Moore uh, you know, get seven catches for 73. If you had to look at the receivers there, are you sticking with Samuel? Do you prefer more? How do you look at this? Because Allen's there for now. Obviously, Cam comes back eventually. But for now, Moore or Samuel for you? That's tough. Uh <laughs> So, I mean, the thing is, Samuel, since Allen took over, and really before that, um, has six or more targets in every game. Um, DJ Moore, in the meantime, has 
a game of two targets, a game of five targets. He's had eight and 10 the last two weeks, which isn't bad by any means. I think both are going to be productive and it, it may be a cop-out answer. I, I, I think Curtis Samuel's the better outside receiver about a better route runner. DJ Moore is better with the ball in his hands. He's better yards after catch. So give me Samuel because of the route running and, and the separation that he creates, especially with Kyle Allen there. Um, we'll see what Cam Newton does. Um, in, in week one, DJ Moore had 10 targets to Curtis Samuel's four. In week two, it was 14 to 13. This, I don't think this Panthers defense is good enough to keep it that close. So I think that they're going to have to produce points in order for them to win. So I think regardless of who's in there, that Moore and Samuel will get theirs because there's no, I mean, I I guess Greg Olson a little bit, but over the last few games, he hasn't really done anything. This is a very concentrated offense. It's DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and then who? Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) There you go. So like you basically have three guys that you can depend on. Greg Mm -hmm. Olson, more so with Cam Newton in there. Um, but yeah, I just this is a very concentrated offense. So I why not both? Yeah, I'm with you. Like I like Samuel a lot with Allen. He seems to kind of like that shorter intermediate game, and Cam's always seem to want to throw a deep to more, but they both can be effective, like you said. So uh from week to week it might vary, but for the most part, concentrated offenses are some of my favorites when it comes to fantasy. Yeah. Make it simple because there's so many confusing ones out there. So I'm all for that. Seahawks, Browns, Seahawks, 32, Browns, 28. The Browns are at 20 to six at one time last night. And today has been let's strike Baker Mayfield through the mud day. It's been fun all over the place and he's kind of earned it. It's been rough, but he also doesn't have a lot of time to stand back there either. If you're a Baker owner, because the hype was there coming into the season, Stompy, I know you probably saw it. A lot of guys having top five, top six or so Mm -hmm. quarterback wise. And he's like, I saw somewhere like 27th or 28th right now. What are you doing with Baker Mayfield? It, this year's going to be tough. Um, that offensive line, I mean, I think a lot of people saw the OBJ trade and thought, oh, this, this team is going to be phenomenal. And they were on paper. I, I was one of the guys that kind of went against the grain and had – I just had all sorts of arguments for two weeks because I had, people were ranking him one or two as a, as a dynasty QB. And I was like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit because, yeah, he had a great rookie season, but sophomore slumps are a thing. That's There's a reason that's a phrase. And we can't just uh, – we, we can't crown this guy as the next best thing. He's not Patrick Mahomes. And – here we are. The um, Browns are towards the bottom of the league in terms of adjusted sack rate. So that Kevin Zeitler trade is actually probably the bigger trade for the Browns. It's made their offensive line a lot worse. And while Baker can't should be blamed for most of the interceptions he's thrown, um, and I believe he he probably is close to the league lead, if not He's right behind league. Winston. He's right behind him. <laughs> and there, there you go. It took five interceptions in week one to, yep. in one week. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can blame – Baker's just – he's not reading the field well. He's making some poor decisions, but I think a part of it is that offensive line. Um, so I, I think this year it's going to be rough. 
and I and I think there's a lot of things working against Baker. First and foremost, like I said, he's not reading reading the field well. He's making some poor decisions, but that offensive line is hurting him. The play calling right now is hurting him. Um, I just I don't like him this year. I think he's a stream streamable at best right now, and but you still have to consider him a top ten QB moving forward in dynasty. So that's how you look at it. Redraft. I'm just I'm not touching it because we've had enough games now we've had six games where he's basically had one half of football where he's actually looked good you can and that was a new in that second half against the new york jets i guess he looked fine against baltimore but baltimore secondary is is kind of gross uh other than that he just has not looked good so i don't really want a piece of him right now but i think this is a buy low window because i think he does have a bright future yeah, and that's my thing is I like Baker. I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and I get it. I can see how the actions can be kind of frustrating to some. But I think his talent's really there. Like, I yeah. agree with you. The, the, the kid is talented. It's kind of a mess of, you know, like, sophomore year, battle line, probably trying to do more than he should. You know, all the commercials, things in his head. He's got to perform. He's human. He's trying to perform to expectations, and it's not always easy. Cleveland is Cleveland for a reason, and some things just aren't meant to be maybe. But – um I, I do like him, and maybe it just doesn't happen this year. And I just looked it up, Stompy. He actually leads with 11 picks. Winston has 10. There so that go. tells you where things end this year. So, yeah, pretty wild stuff there. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Let's go Texans Chiefs. This was a, a fun one this weekend. Uh, Texans go into Kansas City 31-24. Deshaun Watson just continues to get it done on the ground, through the air, all gravy there. But let's talk Carlos Hyde. It, it kind of helped with the the game script. They, they did what they wanted to do. Mahomes had the ball for like 20 minutes in this game. But Hyde had 26 carries, 116 in a score. He's been getting more and more work in this offense. A, are we just saying screw it, drop Duke Johnson? And B, are you thinking Hyde's like at least a running back two on a weekly basis now? I mean, he has to be. Uh, that, that line has definitely gotten better in terms of the run, not necessarily um... – as, as in pass protection, but I mean, Hyde has four games of above four yards per carry. He's got two below three, but four above four. So he's definitely got those games in him where he's just like, yep, I'm going to be Carlos Hyde. But I don't think many or any of us expected this from Houston. I mean, Hyde was terrible over the last two seasons before he went to Houston. Um, but I don't. I don't know what it is. Houston's Houston's uh, line is middle of the pack this year at uh, four point five adjusted line yards, according to um, Football Outsiders. Uh, last year, they were towards a. They were like twenty seventh. They ranked twenty seventh in adjusted line yards. So they've gotten a lot better running the ball. I think the amount of weapons that exist in Houston also open things up. I mean, you you'll have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Will Fuller, you have Kiki Kuti's healthy, and you have two tight ends who can catch the ball and Duke Johnson, lest we forget about Duke Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think that opens up the running game a lot where when it's so concentrated, you only had two people to cover last season. And then you could just stop the run. Now it's not like Lamar Miller was terrible last season, but yeah, I just I think Hyde is benefiting from an offense that can spread the ball out like Houston can. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The, the weapons they have, and that's why I kind of wanted to talk about the receiving cores. 
We know Nuke is great, but even this past weekend, he had a, a lot of catches, but he was all close to the line of scrimmage. He wasn't extending the field like usual. Fuller had another good game, but he he had, I think, three missed t- like bomb touchdowns, 103 air yards, all canceled. Didn't catch those ones, part because of him, part because of bad throws, depending on which ones you looked at. So it's like the the, the – like it's it's there, it's just not there. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, the options are there; they just haven't been executing completely. And now you're seeing Fells and the and the tight ends becoming much more active in there. Do you have any concerns about the Texans tight end? Because it seems like Wat or uh, receivers. It seems like Watson's just free flowing, spreading things out. It's not as concentrated as it once was. And Stills will be back soon as well. Are you still thinking it? You know, you're good with Nuke and company. Or are you concerned at all? I'm a bit concerned. Uh, this was another concentrated offense last season that seems to be spreading it out a bit. Um, like you said, Hopkins has been getting targets. I mean, he had, what, seven catches yesterday yeah. just for uh, – sorry, he had nine catches uh, out of 12 targets, but he only had 55 yards. Yeah, that's insane for him. You never and, hear that. And he's had seven or more targets in every game, but – He's only had one 100-yard game, and if you – I mean, his his A dot right now is the lowest it's been in his career. So is his uh, racer, his uh, converted air yards. Uh, his catch percentage is on par from what it was last season. It's just not downfield. And I don't know if that is a result of the Texans trying to keep, uh, keep Deshaun Watson alive. I mean, last year he got – absolutely crushed and and you could see it early on this season as well that 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 offensive line was not going to be good at protecting Dejon Watson um his his yards per attempt right now is on par is on par though with um with what it was last year so I don't really know what to make of that they're just not getting the ball downfield to DeAndre Hopkins um and I don't know if they're just playing him in the slot more or what's going on there. But yes, I have come some concern because, like I said, the it's not as concentrated this season with the two tight ends take, uh, taking a part uh, or a significant part in the offense. Duke Johnson's there, Kiki Kuti's back, Will Fuller's healthy. It's not as concentrated as it was last season. Yeah, it, it's concerning. It's definitely concerning. Uh, what else is concerning is the Chiefs side of things. This is the third straight week where things have yep. been not good. And we thought with the zone in that Texas uh, Texans put on defense that the Chiefs had some fun. Terry Kill comes back, has a monster game. Things looked like they'd be promising, but they just haven't been of late. I know Mahomes has, has been banged up a bit with his ankle, but overall it's just it's been it's been tough. Uh, what's your thoughts on this Chiefs offense at UCSB Fantasy Gold? My concern with it is that they aren't running the ball as much as they were earlier on. Um, And I don't know if that's taking away from the Chiefs as a whole. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been fantastic. And I I think he's the best quarterback in the league. But there's only so much a player can do because he has been – I mean, he's thrown for over. I mean, I think he only had two hundred and seven. He only had, sorry, he only had two hundred and seventy-three yards this this week. But when you throw for two hundred and seventy-three yards or more in every game, I I don't know what else the guy can do. I mean, there's only so much a guy can do, and he seems to be doing it. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. It's frustrating. Like you said, he is 
he has been very, very productive. Maybe, and it could definitely be they're not running the ball. Uh, I hope you would think Williams would be running the ball more since he's back, but he hasn't been. It's going to be interesting interesting to see what they do because changes will be made. I'm not con- really concerned about them long-term yet, but it's it's interesting watching these three weeks kind of struggle. They, they played good teams, don't get me wrong, but still, right. you, you expect more, especially the last two games at home. Colts, Texans, you expected them to at least win, let alone – Probably put up a little bit more offense. So they only they only had eleven rushing attempts this week. They only had weird for them, and that's and I think that's including Patrick Mahomes. They only had eleven the previous week, fifteen if you include Mahomes. I just I don't I get like I said I get you have Patrick Mahomes and the guy has the most electric arm in the in the NFL right now, but you're not running the ball. And I think that's a major part. And we make fun of it constantly about establishing the run. But, <laughs> yep. but when you're only running the ball less than 20 times a game, I think that's putting too much pressure on Patrick Mahomes to perform. And it needs it needs to be a bigger part of, of their game plan. Yeah, when it's only probably like 25 or 30% of your game plan, it's not going to cut it. You need to right. get up there 35 40% at least to give Mahomes a little, like, play action becomes actually viable, not just a, a, a fake move. You have to, like, actually sell it, which means you run the football. So, yes, very, very interesting there. You're talking elite quarterbacks. Let's talk Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins, anybody? <laughs> no. Vikings 38, Eagles 20. Cousins does it again. It's like ever since Adam Thielen made his little, little temper tantrum and Stephon Diggs took it to a whole new level, Thielen's got touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. Diggs goes off this weekend. Cousins has been great for two straight weeks. It's confusing. It's weird. The offense has been fun. What's more confusing to me, unless I totally missed it with Dalvin Cook, he found the end zone. But Madison had 14 carries. Passing game-wise, and then this Madison situation, what's your take on this new kind of high-octane Vikings offense, the one we were used to last year, that's back in action now? Well, let's let's look at the secondaries that they've played the last two games, by the way. The Philadelphia Eagles have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers. The New York Giants have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So I don't know how much you can expect this moving That's fair. forward. <laughs> I think – I do think that well, – I mean, it, it had to come up at some point. I believe that they were sitting at like a a – 33% run percentage at one point in time before these last two weeks. Um, now they're, they're up or sorry, they were, it was 33% th- uh, pass percentage and now they're up to 47. So they've definitely even out a little bit. I, I still think they're a run more uh, a run heavy team, but there was no way they were going to maintain how much they were running the ball. On on the in terms of Madison, I'm not all that worried. They were up huge against the Eagles. They didn't really have anything to worry about. I um and I think just Madison was given given some carries, so Dalvin Cook didn't have. I mean, because Dalvin Cook's been involved um, since week one, and he's been on the field a ton. And I think this was a perfect game to give him some breathing room, uh, a, a little bit of a breather, not have him get hurt. Um, so they just gave it to to Madison. But yeah, I mean, I hope this is a sign of things to come where they're going to be more uh, 50-50 instead of 40-60 or whatever they were in terms of pass to run ratio. Yeah, because we all drafted uh, these weapons to get use. So they weren't getting use earlier. So that was a, a rough one in there. And good point on the Madison thing. The Vikings had this one kind of in hand. So why why ruin uh, Cook, who you've been just running into the ground right. anyways? So that, that makes a ton of sense there. On the Eagles side of things, though, 
Wentz did throw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, but the running game's still a mess. Sanders is kind of in the passing game, but not much else. Jeffrey was a target monster, but Ertz had a very disappointing game for many fantasy owners, at least the expectations we had. Do you have any concerns with the Eagles? It's just a tough Vikings defense at home. Tough Vikings defense. They're very good against uh, tight ends. Uh, I mean, the thing with Ertz is you should, most people should have expected a regression uh, from last season. He He's a, more of an 800-yard guy than a 1,000-yard guy, and all of the injuries that occurred last season, Ertz was the kind of the, the mainstay for the Eagles. But now that you have Jeffrey back, now that El- Nelson Aguilar's there, well, Deshaun Jackson's out, but you still have multiple weapons, Godert, um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I, I, I think you're going to see more of this from Ertz. Like you can expect those eight-plus targets, but he can also be taken away. Um and and it really depends. I, I don't think he is, he's mostly matchup proof, but like I said, Minnesota is very good against tight ends. Um, and this was one of those games where it was like, if he's going to have a bad game, it was going to be against uh, the Vikings. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was not a recipe for success at all. What also wasn't a recipe for success was playing people from the Saints and the Jaguars game. Saints went 13 to six. I guess I should be wrong. Thomas had eight for 89. That's PPR goodness. Like We should expect that because that's what we've seen since Bridgewater took over. But, you know, this is like the second straight week where Kamara was kind of underwhelming, which is kind of concerning now all of a sudden. Uh, Fournette faced a tough run defense, so I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And then Gardner Minshew, he got uh, shut down for the first time. Any takeaways from this game outside of Thomas is going to keep getting fed? I think it was just kind of good, two good defenses. Neither team really wanted to take that chance. But did you have any other takeaways from this one? Honestly, I think this was an anomaly of a game. I mean, both secondaries have been struggling. Uh, I actually had Fournette as a sit this week just because that's where the Saints are good is against running backs. Um, But, yeah, their secondary has not been good, and they were just not able to take advantage. I thought D.D. Westbrook was going to have a huge game. Yeah, I was with you. I thought that was huge. But, yeah, I mean, this was just – I, I take this more as an anomalous game because the trends showed us that like the the Saints secondary hasn't been good, the um, Jaguars secondary hasn't been good, but they haven't been good against the run either. And Kamara didn't have a. I thought Kamara was in for a monster game too, and he didn't have a good. I mean, he had an okay game. He had double digit fantasy points, but not like what we were expecting. So. I take this as a throwaway game. I'm not taking too much from it besides the fact that Michael Thomas is going to garner garner targets in a – I mean, if you want to talk about concentrated offenses, mm-hmm. the Saints have probably the most concentrated offense in Kamara and Michael Thomas, though Jared Cook is starting to pick up a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, Cook's becoming a little more interesting. So that that's about the biggest takeaway there. But, yeah, Thomas, he's a beast. There's no stopping him right now. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, 23, Bengals, 17. The running back that plays quarterback was really, really good this week. I say that only because he had 19 carries for 152, <laughs> which is a running back stat line. Oh, crying out loud. It's like you can't make these jokes and then run the ball almost 20 times. It's just people are going to keep coming at you. But yeah. throws for 236, no touchdowns, no picks. In recent weeks, Lamar's passing game has been not as sharp, not as great. But he keeps running the ball. The floor is great with him there. Um What's your just overall thoughts of, of Lamar continuing to do this? Because we've seen it time and time again. 
guys can't keep taking hits like this. Are you okay with Lamar? Or are you concerned at all? I'm fine with it because the thing is Lamar is faster than most of those running quarterbacks that we've seen in the past. He's not Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a big boy. He can run fast, but he's not four, three speed fast. So Lamar can generally avoid hits um, and he doesn't really seek out contact. So I'm fine with it. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how long you've been following me, but Lamar has been my guy since like February, like since the season ended. I, I, at that point had predicted he would be a top 10. I had since amended it to top five. He just, he does it. I mean, his passing, he's had one game under 200 yards and that was his biggest criticism or, or people's criticism of him was he's not going to throw for over 200 yards. And I, I was like, you guys, like he, it's not like he needs to step it up all that much to throw more than 200 yards a game and still get 50 plus yards a game on the ground. I mean, he's on pace for better than my wildest dreams, but mm-hmm. a, a 3,500 yard through the air, 1,000 yard on the ground season is very much in reach. And that would make him one of the best fantasy quarterbacks of all time. Okay, then for fun, would you rather have Mahomes or Ravens? Or, uh, oh, Jackson don't or do that to me because Mahomes <laughs> and Lamar are my guys. And they're both um, very, very good. They're both very, very good. I don't know. I, I I have to think that longevity is in Mahomes' favor, and that dude does some things with his arm that I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever seen before. Yeah. I'm with you there. It's pretty wild what he does back there. Talking about things we've never seen before is uh, this running game with Cincinnati because it's non-existent. Uh, Joe Mixon, eight carries for 10 yards. It's been rough this year, Stompy, rough. Like, I had high hopes for Mixon. I know it wasn't the only one. At least I thought he'd be a good running back, too. Right now he's not even a flex half the time. What are you doing with Joe Mixon? I I mean, I you you can't really sell him right now uh, because he's he's probably at his lowest value he's been. That line is in trouble. Uh, I mean – they're, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been good either. They're ranked 22nd among offensive lines, uh, according to Football Outsiders. They lost two starters this preseason or this season, so that definitely hasn't helped at all. They lost their, I believe, starting left tackle. and Was it Jonathan Williams, the, uh, their first-round yes, pick? Yes, yes. Um, but they're, they fall behind so quickly. That defense is so bad that they have to throw the ball. And that's, I mean, where we should be getting more value from Joe Mixon. He just has not been overly involved in the pass game, which is, I guess, a concern there. I, I don't know why they're not involving him in the pass game. Um, it, and that's that's my biggest question. I mean, running the ball is one thing. He did have three straight games there where he did actually really well running the ball. This game, it was kind of expected just because the Ravens, if there's a strength, and, and the Ravens aren't very good on defense, but if there is a strength that's against the run, they are just bad against the pass. And they have one of the best offenses in the league. So the, the um, Bengals were going to have to throw the ball regardless. And – that's the biggest concern is Mixon only has 19 targets on the season. And I feel like that should be a lot higher. And I don't know if that's on the, if that's on Zach Taylor, if that's on Andy Dalton or what, but this is a very dysfunctional offense right now. 
Wait, dysfunctional in Cincinnati? Never yeah, saw right. that one coming. <laughs> yep, never saw that one coming at all. Speaking of this passing game, you know, we just talked about the Jags should have had a nice matchup against the Bank or against the Saints. We figured the Bengals against this Ravens secondary, spreading it out with their weapons, albeit Dalton throwing, would still have more success than they had. Boyd did have seven targets, which is good because everyone's clowning on his only three catches for 10 yards. He had targets. They obviously weren't great targets. But Tate had 12 targets, five for 91. Erickson had six targets. Are you concerned at all with uh, Tyler Boyd right now with John Ross out? No. Um, Tyler, I mean, he didn't have a great game, and I, I wasn't able to watch it, so maybe you can answer this. Was he being shadowed by Marlon Humphrey? I did not watch it either. Uh, I would assume so. I would have no other reason why they every week prior to this, they were flooding him with targets and they were very good at it. So there had to be some explanation here. So, so I have to think that Marlon Humphrey was on him a majority of the time. Whereas on Tate, the, the tight end made wide receiver or whatever you want to call him has had, has the 10th most targets over the last three games among wide receivers in the league. Um, I'm not worried about, uh, Tyler Boyd. He had 14 targets against Arizona, 123 yards and a touchdown. He's had four games of double-digit targets. He's had the his minimum amount of targets at six. He's going. I mean, listen, not wide receivers aren't always going to have great games. It's just not how it works. I mean, look at DeAndre Hopkins. He was the dynasty wide receiver one and arguably the wide receiver one. Um, in all of football and he has not he's been getting targets but he just hasn't been producing great games Devontae Adams same thing he's had two games where he's put up duds it's just bound to happen um so really I will take four very productive games out of six for basically any wide receiver so I think he's perfectly fine you don't have to worry about Tyler Boyd I'm with you there, and you look at the rest of the AFC North. The defenses aren't great right now. Steelers are getting better with Mika Fitzpatrick. But uh, you look at the Browns and everything, you can pass on these guys if you, uh, you're you using your brain a little bit here. So that's good to know. Let's head to the afternoon slate. Niners go into L.A. for a home game of their own. Win 20-7. to This team looks legit. Their, their defense is just out, outstanding. Absolutely great. But a big takeaway this week, and I mentioned it on my, one of my DFS shows, that Tevin Coleman was 4400 bucks last week. At worst, was going to get 50% of the workload. He was back after watching that Monday night performance. We know how Shanahan loves to use his backs. Coleman had 18 carries for 45 yards and a score. He was part of the passing game quite a bit. Had a good percentage of the workload. Are we just are we buying into Coleman as the number one now, or are you still concerned with Breida there? Because Shanahan can fool us from time to time. I don't think it matters. Uh, the 49ers are running, running the ball 56% of the time, the highest – in the NFL, there's going to be plenty of work for, I think, all involved. It might be a Breda game and a Coleman game, but I think there's going to be enough enough that you don't really have to concern yourself about who is going to get the carries because I think Breda is the better running back, but Coleman's obviously going to get his touches. And I just think that the best this is the best situation for running backs right now because that defense is phenomenal. They don't want Jimmy G throwing the ball all that well, and it's probably a good thing because Jimmy G's not really that good of a quarterback, so they need to take the ball out of his hands as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Coleman and Brady the rest of the season. Like, I I wouldn't be – 
I wouldn't be scared to start either one of them every week. Yeah, no, I, I could see that for sure. Brita is darn good, so hopefully he gets his because it was very disappointing when Coleman was out that Brita wasn't getting the every down roll for them, right. or at least getting the love down in the uh, around the end zone. That was very frustrating. Rams offense now, that is frustrating. Jared Goff, 78 yards total. Total. Uh, they pretty much stopped throwing the ball to Cooper Cup for some reason. Tyler Higby, 3 for 25, pretty much led the way. Malcolm Brown, 40 yards, or had probably 25 to 30 yards on the opening drive, then pretty non-existent. This offense was just dreadful, and it's kind of been rocky a little bit of, of late. What are your concerns, if any, of this Rams offense? I'm very concerned about Jared Goff. I mean, he he was before this week the QB8, but I just – it's like both Goff and McVeigh have the yips right now. Um, it's it's almost like that Super Bowl broke McVeigh a little bit, and he's trying to get too cute, and he's not going back to what they made the Rams successful last season because they definitely have not been scoring as much as we expect from the Rams. Um, and that's an issue, and I don't know if it's because Gurley's injured or what. But I'm concerned for the Rams as a whole because they are just not as productive as they were last season. And it just feels like McVay is being way too safe uh, this season thus far. Yeah, it's been pretty weird with him overall. He's not, as like you said, safe. And that's not what we expect from that offense, as dynamic as they can be. So the, the biggest question I would add for him is why did you guys stop using Cooper Cup? What was yeah. it that caused you? Was it the defense or what was it? Because that made zero sense at all. What, well, what and, is and the weird though, the, yeah. the weird thing this year is that, and maybe it's a promising thing, but they've been getting the tight ends involved a lot more. Whereas last sure. season they're playing most of their person most of their personnel was from the eleven, and um, that was like ninety percent. And Cooks and Woods have just not been nearly as good as they were last season. Um, so yeah, it's it's it just feels and it looks like a completely different offense than what we saw last season. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree. What's a different offense for sure is the Cardinals, 34-33 over the Falcons. And we're starting to slowly, I think, maybe given it the Falcons defense. I'll be honest with you there. We're starting to see things progress nicely with uh, Murray using his legs more. They kind of – the passing attack looked a little different this week where maybe they more into his skill set, not more of what just Kingsbury wants to see. Threw for 340 and three scores. They spread it out a lot more. Like Fitz had six for 69, but a lot of guys got, you know, eight. DJ got his. Overall on this offense, are you starting to feel more comfortable with this? Like Kyler's starting to look like the guy fantasy-wise we liked. Yeah, I mean, this is another situation where you have to take into account who he's playing. I mean, Atlanta has not been good this season on defense. Cincinnati has not been good on defense this season. Um, Seattle kind of shut down uh, Kyler. He had 241 yards. Carolina had has been good against uh, quarterbacks this season, shut him down. Baltimore's got a bad secondary um, it took 54 attempts against Detroit for him to get to 308 yards. So I, I definitely think there's been a favorable schedule of late. 
Um, but yes, like he's starting to use his legs, which is the big thing. And in, in um, three of the last four, he's had eight or more carries for or and and um, over sixty yards uh, in two of those. He's had a couple rushing touchdowns. That's the big thing is he he while this Arizona Cardinals offensive line is not good. He needs to start to use his legs more because I think that's what makes him one of the more dynamic quarterbacks. And I think that will help him in the passing game as well. 100% agree with you there. On the flip side, they're the Falcons. They are the king of the garbage time. Mentioned earlier how Ryan's 20-plus points every week, 356 and four scores. Another solid week for Matt Ryan. Hooper went off. Ridley got a score. Julio's been quiet the last few weeks. Might be slightly concerning to some. And then Devontae Freeman becoming more and more involved yes. the last couple of weeks after a very, very slow start. What are your overall thoughts fantasy-wise of this Falcons offense? I mean, I don't think anything has really changed from before the season. They play 13 of 16 uh, in a dome. Uh, they, I be- Were they at Arizona this week? Yes, yes, they were. Yeah, so then you have a fourth one. I mean, that's in a dome as well. So it's going to be a high-scoring offense. It's just – they have too many weapons on that offense to not be high scoring. That defense is so bad that they're going to have to be playing, throwing the ball, throwing or playing from behind. So I'm not really concerned with this defense or this offense whatsoever. I mean, Freeman's going now. He's had four straight double digit fantasy games. Um, he's starting to get his legs back under him, which is a very, very uh, good thing to see. I, I, I had him predicted as a top 12 running back this season he's involved in the passing game julio had 108 yards like i i don't think anybody really needs to worry about julio austin hooper quietly is the he's either the tight end one or the tight end two this season so i don't think there's anything to worry about this offense because they're going to have to continue to score because they are going to be behind in games because that all that defense is terrible very very terrible so uh it, it's definitely going to be there that's for sure. When we want to talk about terrible. The Broncos Titans was terrible. Sixteen. Yes. Well, it was Broncos. it was fine to me because I'm a Broncos fan. Well, okay. So. Well, that, the the end result was great fantasy wise, as Charles Barkley would Awful. say, terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, terrible. Yes, terrible. Courtney Sutton's having a great year. Lindsey got another score. He seems to just find that end zone. But my pretty much only question here, unless you have something else to take away from this game, is Mariota Mariota taken out of the game. Tannehill got some run. And they've already come out saying Tannehill might be starting this week. It might be time to give Mariota a break. If Tannehill's starting, what do you think of this Titans offense? Because not like we had a ton of fantasy assets we liked, but are you even more concerned, less concerned? What's your thoughts there? Uh, I'm going to just say it's going to be the same. It's going to be Derrick Henry's show. And then maybe a breakout from A.J. Brown once in a while or Corey Davis. Other than that, like I, I'm not trusting any of the pass catchers here. Delaney Walker, maybe a little bit, but that was with Mariota, so I don't know exactly how that's going to go with Tannehill. But it's basically the same offense. Yeah, one bad quarterback to the next really doesn't change a whole lot. That's for sure. Let's go to the the afternoon delight. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Take down the Cowboys. Twenty four, twenty two. Sam Darnold. Mono and all is back. 338, two scores and a, and, a, and a pick. Robbie Anderson got his. Crowder got his targets. Lev Bell was decent, but they didn't really rely on him as heavy as we saw in previous weeks. Shocker, when you have a real quarterback back there, you don't have to rely on dumping it off to a running back. 
Um, surprise, surprise. With Darnold back here, Stompy, how are we thinking about this offense? Because Anderson's viable. Crowder's going to get targets. It might even make Bell even better, like more productive plays. Or is this just kind of a fluke against this Cowboys team? No, I, I definitely think it it is a positive sign for most of the pass catchers. Um, we know that uh, Crowder had 14 targets in in week one. Um since he has just not been near the same player, I think that largely has to do with Darnold being out. But yeah, I mean, Darnold makes this offense a lot better. And Robbie Anderson is a lot more viable now because you actually have a guy who can throw deep. Um, so Crowder had nine targets. Anderson had eight. Demarius Thomas even had five for 62 yards. And then like and you said, act- I think... And they activated Herndon today. So we'll have him yeah, back too. Th- there you go. So... And and like you said, Lev Bell could end up having um could end up being better now that Darnold is there because teams can't stack the boxes. And you're also through a relatively difficult um start to the season. You had Buffalo, then you had New England in week three. Dallas is not a bad defense whatsoever. And now that you're through that kind of gauntlet. I mean, yes, you still have to play Buffalo once. You still have to play New England, but you also have Miami twice. Um, it could open things up a lot here. So, it, I mean, it's there's probably still a little bit of a buy low window. Um, and I would be trying to buy guys like Crowder, Anderson. Um, I don't know if you can buy Lev Bell right now or, or Herndon before they start to pick up again now with Darnold healthy. 100% agree. I think it's it's really big for them. They can be sneaky coming down the stretch here against some teams that might think it's a cakewalk. The Cowboys, on the other hand, I'm not a Cowboys fan by any means, but I didn't enjoy you know seeing Dak throw it to Cooper and Gallup and his offense move it up yeah. and down the field. That was fun. Now, Zeke carrying the ball 28 times is not fun, and they've already come out. Jerry Jones' kids are saying today on the radio – that we win games when Zeke carries it more than 30 times a game. And I'm thinking, oh boy, <laughs> here we go again. Um, oh what boy. are your concerns with this Cowboys offense? Because the last few weeks now that Zeke's back, it's almost back to normal. Um, so Lyle Collins and Tyrone Smith were inactive this game. I definitely think that doesn't help. Uh, Dak, I mean, was fine. He he still completed 28 of 40 passes. Uh, had 277 yards. He lost Amari Cooper early. Uh, Michael Gallup, I believe, had at least two drops, if not if not three. He had some big ones, yeah. Um, the last three games have not been fantastic in terms of matchups either. Let's be realistic here. I mean, Green Bay has been very good. I mean, that first half was abysmal last week. Green Bay has been very good against quarterbacks and wide receivers. Um, He did have three interceptions. He ended up having 463 yards because they had to throw it a ton. Um, That that New Orleans game seemed a fluky um, for everybody involved. But, yeah, these these last two games have not been great in terms of a a matchup. So I'm not that concerned because Dak is still getting his – He's still he had a touchdown on the ground. He's he's a dual threat quarterback. I'm not that worried. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan where I'm I'm <laughs> freaking out every other game because they lost and blaming Dak, even though Dak's really not the weak link here. 
yeah, it's not Dak's fault at all, at all. So that is very, very true. He's actually looked pretty good. And I can't wait till he gets paid or doesn't get paid because that's right. going to be a whole another fun, fun tidbit coming up here. Because I think he's actually pretty talented, as we've seen. When they let him unleash, he's been pretty darn good. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Let's go to the Sunday night game. Steelers go into San, to Los Angeles. Like, I want to say San Diego every time. I don't even, yeah. feel, bad for it. <laughs> I don't even feel bad about it. Uh, Steelers went 24-17. They were in complete control in this game. It was garbage time at the end for the Chargers. Devlin Hodges, the duck master, gets the job done. James Conner, huge game on the ground and through the air. Benny Snell is involved. I think Conner was either kind of banged up, kind of like they had the lead. Why, why bruise him up anymore? Also, Juju really non-existent again. Two things for you. Concern level on Juju. And if for some reason Conner is banged up, any interest in Benny Snell? Yes to Benny Snell. Uh but they are entering the bye week, so yeah, he'll be fine then. Yep. Yeah, and then they have Miami the week after. So oh, then he'll be really fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of Juju, now he's definite. He's had two bad games in the last three. Uh, the the week four, I believe was. Actually, I don't even. I I don't even have an excuse there because it was against the Bengals. So. That was just a bad game all around. But they were up 27-3. to They didn't really need Juju in that game. Um, This game, obviously when you have Devlin Hodges, or was it – is it Duck? Is that what we're calling him, Duck? I'm just calling him Duck. I think it's easier because I'm going to screw up Devlin a million times. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just one of those things where it's like – what was his average depth of target really? And it was mostly James Connor and dump downs. Sure. So I'm not with, with Rudolph having practice all three weeks or all three, three days this past week and them entering the bye. I'm, I'm confident that Mason Rudolph will be back against Miami. I mean, let's be realistic here. And this, this goes back to, um, the Tyler Boyd worry is Juju has seven or more targets in four games this season. In those games, he has 75 or more yards. He also has two touchdowns in PPR. I think you're perfectly fine with how he's produced. He's going to have bad games. That's just how fantasy football works. It's how football works is guys are not going to have spectacular games every game. He just has happened to have two bad games out of the last three, and it's mostly, what have you done for me lately? I'm not worried about Juju moving forward. Mason Rudolph made a point before he got injured that he was going to get Juju the ball more. He did. Um, I just I think that's how it's – he'll be fine. He'll have his bad games, but in general, you will be happy with how Juju produces. Good points there. Good points. Walking people away from the ledge. That is very, very good. Because Rudolph was getting them involved. You got a good point there on that one. On the Chargers side of things, Rivers, it's starting to remind me a lot of Peyton Manning's final days, the way he's throwing the ball up there and it just floats and floats and floats. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of working right now. Hunter Henry comes back and he beasts out, especially on the garbage time. Keenan Allen kind of shut down for the second straight week, but tough matchups, very tough matchups. Yep. I, I, I'm not concerned with Keenan Allen. But what's your thoughts going forward with this offense? Mike Williams looked okay, even though he's kind of banged up still. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Eckler's still great in the pa- uh, passing game. Gordon's kind of a mess. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but his passing plays and his running plays are averaging less than three yards per play, which is not ideal. 
What's your thoughts on this Chargers offense? Because it's it's looking like it's going to be a raggedy bunch. That O-line's giving Phillip Rivers no time. Yeah, I mean, we're back to – we're back to the bad offensive line days uh, for Los Angeles. I mean, last year they had a they had a good line, um, and subsequently Melvin Gordon had the best season of his career in terms of running the ball. But yeah, I mean they've just had issues with the line. Like you said, Philip Rivers is getting up there in age. He's not making he's making some poor decisions. The the Keenan, I'm a tiny bit worried about Keenan Allen because it's been three straight games that he hasn't really done a lot. I mean, even against Miami, he caught five of five for 48. And the first half of that Miami game was not good for, um, for LA. I mean, they were only up 17 to 10 in the first half of that game and then pulled away into the second half. I, I just, I, I guess I don't know. It seems like Eckler was the linchpin to this offense. And now that Melvin Gordon's back, I don't know what to make of this because Eckler Eckler was phenomenal. I believe he was the RB1 through the first four weeks, and now he's getting his touches removed. I mean, he only had five carries. He only had four targets. Gordon had four targets and eight carries. And like you said, Gordon, they do need to get Melvin Gordon going, but I – I would rather have Eckler have more touches than he's been getting right now. And I think that has been something that the Chargers have been missing over the last few weeks. As an Eckler fan, I hope you hope they're listening to the show. I know they're not, but let's have hope that someone can pass it on like six degrees of Kevin Bacon style that (laughs) they need to give Eckler the ball more because I'm with you 100%. I'm a huge Eckler fan. He was dynamic in that offense. Like when he was going – they went with him. Like, you're 100% correct there. So it would be great to see that one keep going and hopefully carry on as the weeks come up because they're falling apart real quick. This could get ugly for the Chargers if they don't turn it around. But then again, how many years have we seen the Chargers start slow and continue to come back right. and make things work? It's yeah, I can, definitely, I can definitely see Keenan Allen just being the wide receiver one the rest of the way just that because that's how he goes apparently. Yep, this is what they do at their finest. But Stompy – this was great. That wraps up our recap of the week six action. Do you have any final takeaways, anything people should know going into week seven before we wrap it up? I don't. Um, Pat, that that Thursday night game is going to be interesting because the Broncos are two and four. They've won two in a row. The Chiefs have lost two in a row. That passing defense has been phenomenal. So I'm really, I'm actually pretty excited for that game. Yeah, that should be fun because they're going into Denver, so it's not like they're going into Arrowhead in that raucous atmosphere. Denver's defense has been sneaky good. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're a fan. You've been watching them. And I don't think Flacco's been worth a lot of the, you know, I think people just give Flacco crap now because it's Joe Flacco. Yeah. But he hasn't been that bad, really. He really like, he's, he's, he's managing the games. He's making good plays. Sutton's been good. Sanders has his moments. I think it's going to be closer than people think on Thursday. So, and it's and it's a division yeah. rivalry, man. I yep. mean, on a short you can't week. really ever count any team out in the division rivalry. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We'll see how that goes. More big buys coming up the next few weeks, and it'll really make this week-to-week stuff fun. But before we wrap it up, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and where they can find all your awesome work? Yep, so I'm at FF Stompy on Twitter. Uh, follow Dynasty Diagnostic, one of my podcasts. That's at D-Y-N-O Diagnostic. 
Uh, you can find us on the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast feed. Uh, Superflex Super Show. We right now are going five days a week to start shit sit shows, a live show, a just our normal uh, three man show, and then a waivers show. Uh, that's at Superflex Show on Twitter, also on the DLF family of podcasts. And then finally, uh, go visit FF Mercs. We are trying to help you uh, make the right uh, adjustments to your lineups, start sits, stuff like that to help you win weeks. Um, so go check out our services. I also do a start sit column every week. And then I try and do a transparency thread every week as well to kind of show you my um, process and, and um, both take the hits and the misses as they come. So check that out every week as well. Awesome, everybody. Yeah, go check it out. And Stompy, this is awesome. I'm glad we got to make it work. Uh, big fan of the work you do. So I'm glad to have you on the show. I appreciate it, Bubba. Thanks, man. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 220, recapping the week six fantasy football action with FF Stompy. Catch you guys later. Yeah.